0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes and a whole range of nerdy topics now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I'm joined today by my fellow nerd, Toby. How are you, Toby?
1: I'm good. We're keeping that uh, nice mellow energy
0: today. I think yeah, we're both we, in the,
1: we both need that calming energy washing over us today
0: yes we do for listeners toby and i both were out last night so we had we had good times, good times <laughs> but it's um a bit of a therapy session from the morning after uh we're here as part of our new small talks series which is a slight rebranding of our former 10 minute talks episodes Ooh. which we fully realized even though we thought it was a funny joke at the time are not 10 minutes so you know we wanted to do, we wanted to do these kind of things to give you know smaller chats about some of the things that we we are watching and we are want to talk about that don't necessarily comes a whole hour um such as the latest entry in the star wars canon which we're here to speak Woo! about this week which is Ahsoka, which we have mentioned on the podcast before when trailers were on and you know the star wars expos were on and we heard a lot about what was going on for Ahsoka. so yeah boy hmm episodes one and two landed on disney plus this wednesday and we've both uh watched them uh i believe you binged them almost immediately i can imagine
1: yes 100 i uh <laughs> i sat down with kate there's very few tv shows we watch together uh, but this is one that uh, we both watch and i said are you ready because there's no breaks there's no breaks <laughs> we won't stop for anything so uh, everything was ready,
0: and we just binged through, and it was a happy, happy Star Wars time for the the Welsh household. Yeah, for for those who may be joining us for the first time, Toby is something of a Star Wars fan. Something. something, something. Something. Yeah. I mean, you, you you like it to a degree, yeah, right? Just a yeah. just a bit, yeah. yeah. Just a bit, yeah. yeah. We'll get into that. um <laughs> But we are here to talk uh, episodes one and two. We'll start with episode one, obviously, because that makes the most sense. But here we are. um episode one titled master and apprentice because there are always two um the synopsis here ahsoka tano a former jedi is searching for a map that could lead her to her old friend ezra bridger and the missing grand admiral Thrawn. in her search she is aided by her droid assistant Huyang and her former apprentice sabine wren however they are not the only ones looking for the map a group of former jedi led by balan skull are also after it and they will stop at nothing to get it now for those who may not be as uh, familiar with the characters and the kind of place we are we're at in the lore, Toby, would you mind uh, informing the listeners who Ahsoka is, uh, Ezra, Sabine, all these people, and what kind of is going on at this moment?
1: Of course. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, now, my that. Nice. Right. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, the one thing I'll quickly say about uh, this as a series is it's relatively unforgiving for those who haven't previously watched Clone Wars or Rebels, mm. the animated TV series. So I can kind of understand why these episodes are a little exposition heavy on who each of these characters are. But the Sabine and Ezra Bridger were originally part of a crew called The Ghost um, that were based in the animated series Rebels. Um, Ahsoka, sort of on the tail end of that series, joined in, but she's originally from the Clone Wars between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith in the prequel trilogy. Um, Ahsoka and... Uh, sorry, uh, Edra and Sabine were a part of a five or six team crew. So you've got Hera, that Zendula, that joined that, and uh, the little droid Chopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were joined by Kanan and... Um, Zeb, Zelios, a large mm. purple creature that was also in Mandalorian season three as a little throwaway cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So those those characters were sort of bridged between A New Hope and, well, sorry, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So mm-hmm. it was sort of filled that gap in sort of prime empire rule. Um, and during that whole period, it was about Ezra Bridger and the, the ghost crew trying to liberate this singular planet called Lothal which is also the the titular planet that you have starting in the Ahsoka series so it, there's lots of sort of callbacks and lots mm. of references yeah. throughout these two episodes that really sort of dig deep into the rebel lore and this yeah. basically just feels like a live action continuation of that series. 100%
0: let's say it picks picking up pretty much where Star Wars Rebels left off and yeah. going from there um very i totally agree with what you're saying there's a lot what you've just unpacked there it indicates how much there is to know or kind of ha- want to know before getting into this show for it to kind of make sense initially um yeah i'm wondering if and we'll get into it more more in a second is how this series progresses if it fills in some of those blanks for the user uh, the, the listeners as they uh move forward who maybe aren't as familiar as you or i especially yourself um but it's interesting because and i say that because some of the reviews i've read from you know Uh, media outlets who've probably seen maybe five or six episodes because they always get these beforehand they said that there's actually this is a good jumping off point for people who want to get onto the star wars train which as with i don't know if i fully get from the first two episodes but that's what i guess my point would be then is that how they're going to do it down the line are they going to have you know flashbacks and stuff what's happening all that kind of stuff to fill in the gaps which I think i don't know about yourself as someone who's obviously watched star wars religiously um and already knows all this stuff is that kind of padding out the time that you'd rather spend with the new story and the new way these characters are going forward if in fact that was how they're going to go ahead
1: well i think if if they're they're going to be doing sort of flashbacks and things i think as long as they're using it as a as a deliberate sort of exposition sort of premise so if if And what I mean by that is if they're going to use sort of callbacks to the Clone Wars, so if you're going to have maybe a cameo from Anakin, which I think is deserved for the show Mm -hmm. because I think for those who may not watch the Clone Wars, Anakin and Ahsoka throughout that show, uh, initially it was was a master and apprentice dynamic, and it was originally from a character that was very much maligned and disliked. I mean, I did not like the character character of ahsoka when she was first no she was not of, well received at the at the time yeah and i thought the premise of anakin having an apprentice and all that was very much just abhorrent but you know dave filoni george lucas and the clone wars series completely changed and i did a complete 180 on my decision and mm-hmm. she's up there with one of the top five characters of all star wars um, characters out there she's had such a turnaround and i think quite like from the fandom she's such a popular character um but in terms of how i think the story is going to press i mean all star wars content for me is good even the bad stuff still gets me happy in certain areas so yeah you know if they can do some callbacks that fill the gaps for the wider audience i don't mind that because that just sort of brings up the potential for little bits of nostalgia boosts for me so if we can get a cameo yeah. from anakin i i'd possibly preferred to see him as a force ghost so you can kind of see a progression of the character hmm. um because a- after return of the jedi there was lots of and, and and that was something that was sorely missed in the sequel series you've not there's lots of you know expanded lore and legends and things where anakin used to come to luke skywalker as a ghost and this that and the other but it, it would be nice to sort of tie those characters into the TV show without having to resort to sort of deep fakes with Luke Skywalker and things like that. Cause Hayden Christensen showed from the Obi-Wan series that he's still got it. You know, he can still pull off the Anakin Skywalker visage. So I think also giving maybe Ahsoka a bit more in time counsel would be quite good. Um, so I, I think there's ways of getting around necessarily having a, an expositional flashback lore dump. Mm. by maybe using these characters in sort of real time but i've i've got no qualms with that a live
0: action adaptation yeah. of the, the clone wars would be pretty cool too yeah the more the more people on the star wars bandwagon the better right so if this is 100%. a show that can help bring those people in then more the merrier 100 um i want to get more into the world building you mentioned before about you know the expansion of like and for example Hayden Christian's Anakin's progression and you know how this all ties into things but I guess the 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 main question we're here is what did we think of the first episode
1: yeah 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 um I I thought it was really good um a lot of the reviews I'd seen had sort of stated that it was quite slow paced
0: and I I didn't really feel
1: no, any I sort of slowing I, of
0: pace. I don't think so. I think it, it moved along at a, a, a steady pace. I give it that, yeah. and then obviously there's there's some, some some action towards the end. Some you know yeah. which does ramp up a bit, but I don't think it, um, you know, takes its time getting up to speed by any means. No, no, and I think that's
1: something that may lose a couple of the new audience members. But I think in terms, of, like if if you're like me and you knew these characters from watching the animated series, you know, it sort of jumps in, and it doesn't sort of hold your hand by saying, oh, this is Sabine. She's this person, this person, this one. It's just the story progresses. They give little expositional nuggets as they go through. Mm -hmm. But I I think the pace was pretty strong. I think if there was one weakness, if I jumped to that very quickly, Mm -hmm. is maybe where the slow side of things could have come through is a little bit of the dialogue was a little wooden and
0: maybe a little Mm -hmm. stiff i made this note as well i feel like it's it's kind of delivered as if it said no you have to read this from the page uh kind of yeah s- lines which there are char- there are actors or characters who are more culpable of it i feel yeah. in this i particularly find the video message of ezra particularly so i felt yeah. like it was not the best delivery that kind of moment could have had yeah. um but yeah i totally get your point on that for sure
1: well i think jumping on the ezra thing because that 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 also stood out for me is i think there's elements here where to to not necessarily honor but to uh, allow those who've seen the animated show to have a realistic depiction of what they saw in anime because that was word for word the recording mm. he'd sent to Sabine. Yes similarly with the scene where ahsoka comes to collect sabine in the the second episode that's a direct recreation Mm -hmm. of those scenes and i think you know being rigid on getting that like for like scene can maybe take away a little bit of the spice of the actor's creativity and the flavor with how they use the line delivery Mm -hmm. um and i think one of the more culpable was actually ahsoka I mm. think uh, Rosia Dalson. there was a, just a couple of lines where it just, it from her in season two and um, of Mandalorian and then in the Book of Boba Fett, a lot of, I, I mean, I, I know they sort of say she seems more guilty and there's a bit more weight on her shoulders in this one. But a lot of what she brought in to capture Ahsoka's brevity seemed to be missing. She seemed a lot more sullen and forlorn Mm. and I, I felt there was just a couple of line deliveries that just didn't quite have that spark didn't didn't quite emphasize the passion behind
0: what she was trying to say yeah I agree and I think yeah Rosario Dawson is colorful. I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead has the summer as well which yeah. you know it's just a bit it's a bit ham-fisted um yeah. and like it's it's episode one you think for any show you know it's finding its feet you know they're gonna grow into these things but Star Wars is a bit more established as you may think that you know it kind of needs to hit the ground running a bit more in terms of that kind of stuff so it was a little bit like "Mm, okay this is interesting this is kind of not what I expected but I would say it's it's not like constant it's you know there are there are moments where it stands out but I think what is good is the the way this the episode plays out and the way the story is being built is, uh, I'm 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 intrigued as to where this yeah. is going. Don't know about yourself.
1: Oh yeah, I mean the 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 way they're building out the world is something that they've needed to do for such a long time. You know the the prospect of going to another galaxy um, and expanding on uh, sort of elements of the Force and I think Morgan Elizabeth's character. Initially, you just thought, okay, she's just a, a a sort of henchman baddie sort of thing. But the way they expand upon her character in this, making her a night sister, was huge for me. Uh, knowing what the Night sisters are from uh, the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and uh, Rebels to a lesser degree, and also the video game Jedi Fallen Order.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, did you play that game? I've just finished it about ah. two weeks ago. Ah, so good. So, I've got Survivor yeah, I mean, next.
1: <laughs> oh, Survivor's 10 times better. It's amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, like the, the lot of references to things that build out the world, because now the, the Night Sisters have been realized in, in live action. It it solidifies their importance in the canon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the the additional characters like um, Baelin's skull and um, his apprentice, Hearty, I think they're really interesting characters. And the the inquisitor sort of tag along the Marek kind of character uh, it, it, that seems a deliberately vague character for some reveal that I'm expecting at some point. Mm. Um, but it, it's cool to have that sort of callback. And I just there's just so many nice little references in this and little nostalgia bursts for me. And I, I, I like you said about the story, it's got such a mystery behind it and kind of a. An intrigue to it. I'm very interested to see where the next episode, because as soon as episode two ended, I was like, Well, okay, where's three?
0: I'm ready yeah, now. Yeah, well, it, it's coming, Toby. It's coming. Um, the before we get into episode two, uh, let's give a shout out to one Dave Filoni, who is obviously uh, the man behind The Mandalorian. He's the goat, but he is the goat, The Book of Boba Fett, and now Ahsoka, which uh, those three shows are pretty much a through line you know and yep. he's he's clearly thought about it and as he's a massive star wars fan and that that's the kind of person you want at the helm of something like this when you're trying to build a world Is someone who understands it and knows how it needs to grow and yeah you know in order to don't want to be too dramatic but survive you know we see yeah. there are i don't want to mention because we talk about it all the time there are other universes out there in the cinematic world that are struggling to kind (laughs) of build out their lore now past a certain point and um i think star wars is one that is doing it i think in a a slower pace but i think that's better because they're thinking about it they're going right if we go here what does this go where does that go how does that tie into this rather than the current situation where it's in other universes where it's like we're just churning out the same stuff every week and then we're, we're having a, a villain that doesn't last or we're having this thing that is a MacGuffin but doesn't really mean anything whereas here I think we're seeing a through line of what the how the universe reacts when people like the Mandalorian or Ahsoka interact with it it has effect whereas I think other universes don't really have that at the minute, no, and no, and all credit to Dave Filoni for
1: that, I think. Yeah, I mean, and Dave Dave Filoni, Fil- yeah, I'm 100%. I mean, Dave Filoni, um, has been sort of a, a modern day architect of Star Wars with George Lucas from the Clone Wars because he was responsible for co creating that with George Lucas, and um, then onto Rebels, he did another short animated series that was a bit short-lived that was supposed to fill in some of the gaps for the -hmm. the sequel series Resistance but that never quite landed but then it was guilty by association trying to be attributed to anything related to the sequels which seems to be a cardinal sin these days yeah Um, and I think one of the things that Dave Filoni if it's not just he has such an expansive knowledge of the Star Wars lore know because every every time anyone talks about him it's like oh yeah you know he'd just talk about this that and the other and he'd just know it all you know someone would ask him a question and he'd just be the 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 encyclopedic knowledge of star wars and i think he honors what george lucas did and there's so many nods just in scenes like some of the set pieces and some of the scenes that he created there was such an emulation and such a an honoring of some of the shots that george lucas made Mm. um you know, and a lot of the world building from rebels was from, and now in Ahsoka having been adapted adapted for live action is it's using sort of the old artwork for Ralph McQuarrie, who was the concept Mm -hmm. designer for Mm -hmm. the original star Wars movies. So that it's, it's nothing but just a labor of love with his work. Yeah. And I feel like everything he's building towards now is moving towards this Dave Filoni star Wars movie in a few years time. Which yeah. I'm all up for and I think it's yeah. well deserved. And it's like yeah,
0: well deserved. I mean his track record's great. Obviously he he was involved with Avatar the Last Airbender, which is a yeah. show we've all spoken about and love greatly. 100%. And he's done he's been in Clone Wars, Rebels, you know, he's even done some Lego Star Wars stuff. He is the guy he is nice. the Star Wars guy. He's the guy you need. And yeah. you're right. His upcoming film, go for it. Give him everything he wants because he absolutely deserves it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And you can see that he takes on the same sort of, like Kurosawa was one of George Lucas's greatest influences when it came to Star Wars. And you can feel those influences sort of carry over with Dave Filoni's work. Mm -hmm. Because in the season two episode of um, Mandalorian, like the uh, the episode where she's sort of fighting in the forest and sort of taking siege to the, the magistrate's building. Yeah, yeah. All that is just textbook kurosawa with the fog and sort of the lone samurai mm-hmm. ronin. Mm-hmm. It was so good, so good.
0: Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was really good. And like I said, Dave Filoni, long may he rain. Carry on, mate, on it as far as I'm concerned. Um, before we move on to episode two, I just want to get some uh, final thoughts on episode one. Uh, what was a standout moment for you? Was uh, Any particular moment or scene that you really enjoyed or thought, yeah, this is, this is the... Uh, the, the point of this uh, episode there were quite a few um i mean the, the, like i said about the shots
1: i think some of the shots that they made were just very reminiscent of the sort of old school star wars mm-hmm. but um i think one of the standout for me was um the the scene where the two dark jedi hearty and skull uh, sort of liberate morgan elizabeth from the the rebel ship Yeah, not the rebel ship, the New Republic ship. The the New Republic ship, yeah. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of one of the the quintessential Star Wars hall scenes where they're just slaughtering um, New Republic troopers. And Balin's skull seemed very reminiscent of a Darth Vader-esque
0: character Mm, just mowing down people in hallways it was nice it did i did feel that had that kind of callback touch nostalgic touch to it okay. yeah. yeah this is because you, you, you immediately know like this is the, i'm back in this universe right yeah. this is i'm back i'm this is star wars you know yeah. um, and that's just that's a credit to the people who uh, obviously thought about it and thought this is give the fans what they want but you know while we're giving them some new exciting stuff at the same time. So uh, yeah, that's a really good scene. Uh, I th- I like the, whole, I like the fight scene with um, Sabine and uh, Hattie as well. Um, you can see her frustration or her lack of training, obviously yeah. that she or her recklessness, I guess in training um, yeah. so, or being rusty as it were. And cause I was like, is this okay? gonna get there in time? I kind of assumed she wouldn't cause I f- they feel like there needed to be some kind of, um, you know, conflict there afterwards for Mm. why she you know doesn't want to train her and etc or but i think that really helped speak to the relationship between ahsoka and sabine and how they're gonna go moving forward which i guess brings us nicely into episode two uh, which is called toil and trouble um, so they both episodes were released at the at the same time, and like I say, we just, I uh, assume you just went straight into episode 2, is that oh, right? Of course, of course, yeah, of, of course. course. So so in episode 2, Ahsoka and Sabine investigate a shipyard in Corellia where they believe the map to Ezra and Thrawn is being held. They are attacked by Imperial forces and Ahsoka is injured. They are rescued by Hera Syndulla, who helps them track down the map. Uh, and then, obviously, it progresses from there, and we get to see a lot more of the characters uh that we've seen in episode one and developing i guess what they were about including skull and hattie and um they're um what's interesting i was going to ask is skull to me strikes a very interesting character because obviously he's he's working to help get this map but there's a trepidation in him he doesn't seem to fully have drunk the kool-aids to the point yeah. where he's 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 skeptical of the success of their mission uh yeah. i don't know how you felt about that which i thought was an interesting thing rather than just being a completely devout um member of their order which we've seen previously he has some kind of um shades of gray in there about that where and his apprentice seems to be more of the uh you know like i say, the more devout type which i found i found interesting i don't know about you yeah i
1: mean from from the scene where morgan elizabeth puts because the first references i quite like the titles of these because it 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 really summarises what the episode's about because master and apprentice is the first one is kind of a callback to sabine and ahsoka's past and also brings into the foray skull and hattie as being sort of the titular master and apprentice they're talking about toil and trouble is obviously a, a, a reference to macbeth's witches yes and one of the big reveals of this is that morgan elizabeth was in fact a night sister who was sort of like witch users of the force um but the scene where she puts the map on you get the big expansive um, sort of map, sort of showing the way to where Thrawn and Ezra Bridger are. Um, you get the the sort of scene where Morgan Elizabeth says, go go sort this out for me. And then mm-hmm. you see the little scene between Hattie and Skull where they've clearly got another agenda going on. Like they're following this for their own means. So you're quite right. It doesn't seem like they've drunk the Kool-Aid. They're just, we're using you. What... W- we're allowing you to use us so we can use you to get to whatever we want. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that this is going to sort of lead to. So there's clearly something that they've got an agenda with
0: wherever Thrawn and Ezra are. Yeah, because that's interesting because obviously then Skull um, it, it turns and says like to uh, Hattie about that Thrawn will give them power they, could, they couldn't they really imagine. Um, so yeah. I th- I'm, I'm interested, obviously there's going to be a... I anticipate a power struggle here in this yeah. um, very shaky alliance at the minute. Um, yeah. which, and they seem,
1: whilst they're sort of dark users, they're still and I think you mentioned it, reminiscence of sort of their past order because even Hutty has uh, a Jedi Padawan braid, which mm-hmm. I thought was quite an interesting callback. And there's they are kind of that classic sort of more wise and patient, methodical master and the more headstrong into action and wanting to get down and dirty with hearty being the apprentice so it, it's quite a an interesting
0: dynamic that they've got between them yeah yeah there is um and speaking of dynamics i guess the relationship between um ahsoka and sabine kind of jumping towards the end of the episode carrying on for what we said in episode one is there they seem to come come to a, an understanding that they are better off together which yeah um for ahsoka is a big obviously a bit of character progression because she's very standoffish um very lone and then wolf. for very lone wolf um but then for sabine who's also a bit stubborn you know hot-headed they kind of realize that that th- together they have stand a better chance of doing this and i, I really liked the the end scene where she's looking at the mural, and then she turns, and then we 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 go off, uh, into the credits. But we have now something exciting to go forward in these two exploring the galaxy, looking for the ship that is now being tracked, um, that managed to get away. But had we had we think the relationship between those two is going to look going forward? Obviously, I can't imagine it's going to be all plain sailing. But it'll be yeah. interesting to see how that dynamic goes forward obviously a jedi and a mandalorian with substantial training you know it's it's a it's an exciting combination to to be watching yeah i mean like
1: i said ahsoka has been a great favorite of mine for a long time mm. but uh, sabine was always a standout character in um in the rebel show and I, I i i enjoyed their dynamic in the show in in the ahsoka show it's there's a little bit of gap filling that needs to be taken into account because there's never reference in Rebels that Ahsoka was going to take on Sabine as a as her apprentice, nor was there anything particularly hinted at that she was Force sensitive. Mm, that's true. That's true. Because uh, have you seen Rebels? Yes. So the only thing that really is sort of hinted at that there may be an allusion to her having some Force sensitivity is that Kanan Jarrus, uh, Ezra's master did train sabine on how to use the dark saber because at one point she was the wielder and the rightful ruler in everyone's eyes mm. for mandalore um, and there's a really good mandalorian arc in rebels where they liberate mandalore and um it it, it was really quite a cool scene and you get um bo kree's cameo in that as well but um so she trains with kanan with how to use the lightsaber but there's nothing that sort of intimates that she actually has force sensitivity so whether or not they just say well you know at the end of rebels ahsoka decided to take her on as a padawan it didn't work out and that's why in mandalorian season two she was still hesitant to take on grogu as her apprentice Hmm. um but if they're going to do anything flashbacky or anything that maybe fills in the gap a little bit that that would be quite interesting because i'd like to see how that kind of worked and where the origin point of that was
0: yeah i did that, that you mention it, i did think of that at the time i thought of oh, i must have just forgotten something or you know and you know something's slipped my mind but you're right there isn't that that's that that would be a bit of if what we said previously like you say is if they're going to go back and fill in gaps and bring other people up to speed that would be a good one of the good points to kind of go and look at yeah Um, because i've got no
1: problem that she has for sensitivity i think that's cool um and but you can't just make
0: a dsx machina thing that you just fill in the black. yeah exactly it's convenient yeah yeah Yeah. so uh yeah i I thought from the trailers
1: that when she's using the lightsaber, it was very much reminiscent of Rebels where, well, she'd had some lightsaber training. She has Ezra's lightsaber. Therefore, she's going to fight. I didn't realize there was actually the Padawan dynamic, which, good luck to it. Let, let's see how that rolls. But in terms of the dynamic moving forward, I I kind of hope that there's not a constant conflict throughout because I feel like we've kind of had them at odds to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a little bit more cohesion with them moving forward and so yeah. progressing rather than just keep trudging up this tumultuous relationship and one thing I do want to just shout out is I'm very glad that they've got Hugh Young David Tennant the robot oh yes um, as a callback to the Clone Wars I think that's really cool
0: yeah he's great he's really good as Hugh Young and this uh I think he uh because Droid's are obviously a massive part of Star Wars and to give them personality and you know make them stand out because there's there's numbers of them, um, but yep. you know someone like David Tennant is perfect for that. He he can he's, he's a fantastic uh, performer. So yeah, big shout out to David Tennant, Hu Yang, um, and I agree with what you say about the conflict thing. I think there will be conflict down the road because of just who yeah. the two characters are, but. Th- it when you i can imagine as a team when they are firing and all cylinders and working as well as they can together as a team it'd be very exciting set pieces to watch to see them you know um kind of in action so yeah. uh yeah it'd be it, it it it's interesting to see where this is going to go uh, uh in the next uh six episodes um episode two how did we feel about it in general um from so one, I think obviously we, we kind of combine these as one, but as a second part, I guess, of our introduction to this series, how did we feel about it?
1: I think episode one was very much a a typical episode one catching you up to speed whilst trying to sort of initiate the story. I think second episode was allowed to be a little bit more expansive. Um, you know, they weren't catching people up as much at this point. So they kind of let the story do the talking and i think characters got to develop a bit more and they've sort of upped the stakes now where you, you've kind of got an idea i don't think we've got the full idea but we've certainly got an idea of what morgan elizabeth and the the bad guys plans are with the eye of scion which was a really cool um visual at the end there sort of seeing mm-hmm. that shit being put together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i liked i liked sort of more of the deep dive into why the new republic may have failed and allowed for the first order to come on is that you know, they seemed overconfident and really never got rid of the Empire's or the Imperial's yeah. influence. Yes. Um, so, like, they were always the undercurrent. So, you know, they're, they're dismantling Imperial ships on on Corellia, but, you know, there's still very much an, imp- um, an Imperial sort of lifestyle and um, activity going on, completely under the radar of the New Republic. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a cool dynamic. It's something they've touched upon in sort of the Mandalorian and, in, you know, Andor sort of expanded how much of a, a reach the Imperials had and how they kind of infected everything from not just a sort of a hostile, but um, just the whole infrastructure of the Empire was run. Um, so I, I thought that was quite cool and a bit more world building. And yeah, I, I, of the two, I think season ep- season two, episode two was definitely the stronger of them but uh yeah I, I, the stakes are up now, and i'm I'm really excited to see whether the rest of the sixth episode go
0: yeah, I feel I feel like definitely, as I mentioned at the end of episode one, it really stepped up with the set pieces at the end, and then in episode two, it kind of just keeps that momentum going, which is really good and yeah i I totally agree with what you're saying i i i' have thought about that as well about the the, the new Republic really being um. Uh, naive that the first order or any that influence is kind of quashed and they've got it under control obviously as we go through the factory I guess set piece um, they determine that yeah we've got people who were part of the first order before but you know they're fine now I was like why have they suddenly just changed their mind you know and then obviously it comes back to bite them but it does show that kind of it's still got its claws in the society and it's not going away uh, and that that's a really interesting um dynamic as well to see then who's gonna pop up where can they really trust anyone what yeah. kind of where can they go for help but that the you know the first order has a as a as a wider reach than they would uh, like to think um which is which makes for a very like i say interesting uh, way to go I guess we have three, free uh, and onwards so I guess thoughts on where episode three might go obviously I think there's a race to find Thrawn or at least for Ahsoka and Sabine to find the ship before they find Thrawn um, yeah it looks like it might be exciting yeah I mean I gotta
1: say actually I don't know where this is going uh, there's there's a few theories sort of running around in the head but I, I don't think there's anything of these two episodes that give a concrete clue as to what is necessarily going to happen long term or what everybody's agendas are. Like obviously good guys want to be the bad guys, bad guys want to do something bad, but what what what's Thrawn's end game? What what's what's the is is Thrawn planning something in the background and obviously he's communicating to Morgan and Elizabeth? Don't really know because he might just be lost out there. So what we're expecting might be a completely different character same with ezra bridger like what have they been doing out there that's that's what's interesting me more than anything um because this is potentially going to a totally different galaxy which kind of just completely opens up the reins for what mm-hmm. they're able to do um and, the, and what's skull and Hutt's, uh, other agenda
0: yeah exactly there's a lot we don't know yet yeah. uh but you know very excited to find out over the subsequent episodes um you're right it's the there's, there's very cars close to the chest in the first two episodes well it gives us a lot to enjoy it doesn't really give us any idea of how this will end within or carry on in three four five six episodes time you know yes yeah. it's, it's interesting it's interesting um but yeah it's exciting right we like we're liking it so far two episodes oh, in you know
1: yeah broad broadly great for me 100 percent. any of the shortcomings i think are outweighed by the the far more expensive positives and the upcoming potential you know at the end of this series we might feel differently but uh, i think for our first
0: two episodes I, I i'm really quite enjoying it i think it's really good same same can't wait for episode three which is live on disney plus on wednesday the 30th i believe is the 30th i believe yes. so yeah um so we will be back um next week to talk all about episode three and really get into that and hopefully have a some kind of picture of where it's going and some exciting things to talk about but um i think that's all the time we have for this week so thank you toby as always for joining me it's always great to talk star wars with someone so passionate as yourself <laughs>
1: may the force be with you chris
0: always yes i am your pa- i am definitely your padawan on this on this episode. i am fine with it i'm absolutely fine with it um but thank you again and look forward to Chatting with you next week about episode three. Um, thank you as always to you wonderful listeners. We really appreciate you listening to us every week. Remember, if you've enjoyed listening to us today, you can listen to us talk about all kinds of things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You can find us on Instagram at the Phantom Zone Podcast, and you can email us at the Phantom Zone podcast at gmail.com. But for now, until next time, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.